1966, the Chicago Bears drafted the son of a Pennsylvania coal miner in the fourth round. Doug Buffon would go on to play 15 seasons for the Bears and later be named one of the 100 greatest Bears of all time. His allegiance to the Bears never waned, even when he took to the microphone and witnessed some horrendous Bears teams. The fact is, there's not the fear put into him because this game is a lot about fear. You either do the job or you go home and go sell hamburgers at McDonald's. Doug told it like it is, and that's part of the reason his nephew John has dedicated this show to Doug. Now John Buffon is spreading Buffon-branded beratements just like his uncle. Win the football game. You're the head coach. I don't care what you have your fingers in. I don't care what you're meddling in. You're the head freaking coach. We get it. You're the most important guy on the staff. You don't have to keep trying to legitimize that. And he's got pep talks too. I love this team. And I know everyone watching and listening loves this team. So while we may be pessimistic and cynical... Every one of us still has hope that the stars will align at some point. And if that ever does happen, you'll be glad you stuck around. John is telling it like it is here on Buffon 55. And joining John are Alyssa Barbieri, managing editor of USA Today's NFL Wires, including Bears Wire. And also Danny Shimon, lead game and draft analyst for the Barroom Network. Buckle up and bear down. This is Buffone 55, The John Buffone Show. Hello and welcome to another edition of Buffone 55. It's a fast-paced approach at breaking down those lovable Chicago Bears. My name is John Buffone and with me as always is my co-host and producer Alyssa Barbieri. Alyssa, we snap back to reality on Sunday with the Bears falling flat to the Minnesota Vikings and then you throw in the Justin Fields injury and it was just a rough game to watch. How you doing? You know what, John? I knew better. I knew better <laughs> going into this better. game. But even after that Washington one, I'm like, oh, my God, there's a little momentum. Could they finally turn the corner? And then, I mean, no, same old, same old. They're Shame really good me. at that. They're really good at just giving you that just little nugget to hold on to. And you're like, wait a minute. did Are they, are they putting it together? Is this something to build on? Is this the first, you know, the first step in – you know, an evolution of this team. And then in the next week, no, you idiot. What were you thinking? Why would you ever assume that? So once again, the bears fall flat. And here we are talking about yet another bears loss. The 15th in the last 16 games. I'm here to bring you depressing stats all night. Oh, I, I can't wait. When's the last, when's the last time they won at home? September 25th, 2022. It was a different world. It was <laughs> literally a full calendar year, right? We were talking about the losing streak, almost reaching a full calendar year. Haven't won at home in more than a year now. Oh man, that you really are full of crappy stats tonight. Thank you. I'm, I'm, looking, I'm looking forward to all of this. But before we jump into this mess, can you give our listeners and viewers a rundown of how the phone 55 works? Absolutely. So we will begin with the classic B55 segment. That's when I asked John five questions about the Bears, and his responses must be completed. With within 55 seconds. The 55 is John's way of paying tribute to the great Doug Buffon, 
his uncle, his mentor, and a man who played 15 seasons with the Bears and wore number 55. Then at halftime, we're going to break down the Bears' upcoming opponent. And this week, we're going to take a deep dive on the Las Vegas Raiders, who are riding a two-game winning streak, something that has never happened during the Matt Eberflus era. <laughs> we're then going to finish things up with a free-for-all that we call the phone's basement, where Danny Shimon joins John and me, and the three of us return to our traditional Bears therapy session, which... We know all of you barflies need just like us. So, John, are you ready to get back into this? Had to turn that knife a little bit with the back-to-back win <laughs> stat there. I, I do appreciate that. Yeah, I'm as ready as I'm going to be for this. Let's go. Okay, then. So we're going to dive right into our B55 segment. That's when I'm going to ask John five questions, and he's somehow going to keep his responses to 55 seconds, even though there is a lot to discuss. So let's go ahead and get it started. So, John, Sunday's game was filled with Lots of frustration. There was plenty to get mad about during the Bears' 19-13 to loss to the Vikings. But what really stuck out to you? 55 seconds are on the clock. And go. Oh, boy. This is where this segment gets hard, keeping it to under 55 seconds. But for me, it was just the same song and dance. This team, this coaching staff, this franchise is just consistently inconsistent if they score a bunch of points one week they'll be stagnant the next if the protection is good one week it'll be bad the next if they throw for a bunch of yards one week they'll throw for like 140 the next you just can't predict what this team is going to do week to week other than probably lose they had every chance to control that game and once again they failed to answer the bell i don't think i'm saying anything groundbreaking here but there is something desperately missing from this team that keeps them from actually being a contending professional football team bad coaching losing culture inconsistent quarterback play defensive gaps stupid penalties yeah you name it they got it and as we have said the margin for error for this team is razor thin and they completely blow past that every week yeah i think my biggest frustration from this game was just i let my hopes get up for the offense this is an offense that was averaging 34 points over the previous two games and they put up a measly 13 points against a Vikings team where they could have loaded on the points. So it was disappointing, especially considering you saw the defense take a step forward right. and they allowed 19 points the fewest of the season. And it's a, it's, a, it's a situation where you need the offense to step up, especially after Justin Fields. It looked like he turned the corner and then it looked like Luke Getzey had turned a corner too as play caller, but we should know better. It's it, like you said, it's same old, same old. It's always one step forward, like five steps back or maybe 15. I don't know. Yeah. Nothing <laughs> ever clicks at the same time. The defense plays well the offense shuts down the, the the defense falls apart and then the offense you know you know starts to pick up and, and so uh it's it's just they and that that's that can be said for not just a game or a season but that can be the bears in general you can look back when the bears actually had a fun offense they had one of the worst defenses in bears history uh it, it was just, what 2014 or so with uh, i think with mark tressman or whoever it was they had an they had a really good offense the defense was historically bad and then you look at the early uh the early 2000s where they had incredible defenses but the offenses were pretty bad they just it just never it never clicks at the same time i mean i know that that's asking for a lot but that is kind of what being a good football team is having at least some progress on the offensive side and on the defensive side at the same time yeah, I was going to say, it's not a lot to ask from a good franchise, which is what we're sure. hoping the Bears become. But it's clear, uh, obviously, from the last couple of, uh, from the last couple of decades, right, that this is not it. If they want, they can get there, hopefully. But I don't see that happening anytime soon. And unfortunately, last Sunday's loss was another example of that. 100%. 
Okay, so one of the biggest storylines to come out of the game was the injury to Justin Fields. The Bears quarterback suffered a dislocated thumb on his right throwing hand, and he's officially doubtful for Sunday against the Raiders. So if, John, if Fields misses significant time, what does that mean for him? And what does it mean for the Bears organization as a whole? 55 seconds, good luck. Well, in the short term, I guess it doesn't mean too much. The season's already shot. However, in the long term, it means a lot for the Bears and for Justin Fields. This was supposed to be the prove it or lose it season for Fields. And if he misses significant time, he isn't adding anything else to his resume as the Bears decide on his future. And for the Bears, that's also the problem. If Fields misses a lot of time, your data is greatly shortened this season to figure out what you're going to do next. And if, and if that, that actually goes for the current regime, if they're retained for some reason, but also for a new regime if the head coach gets fired and especially if the GM gets fired, although I'm not sure that's going to happen. Uh, I know it would be tough to give Justin Fields three head coaches in, four, in his four-year tender tenure, but someone is going to have to have to make that decision in the next few months. And I think the front office, the coaching staff, Fields himself and the fans, for the most part, would like to see as much data as possible. So we'll see how long he's out and if it's going to be one of those lingering injuries. Yeah, Matt Eberflew said they're going to know a little bit more by the end of the week whether uh, he's going to require surgery, which obviously would keep him out longer, probably six weeks. So, I mean, in terms of, like, what it means to the immediate future, I mean, like you said, they're not going to be winning uh, football games, I don't think, which, I mean, that probably was the expectation anyways, right? I mean, it, it's frustrating, but like you said, it's more of, like, the long-term ramifications because we have 11 games left now. Mm -hmm. And Justin Fields needed every single one of those games to continue to go out there and prove that he can be the franchise guy. Ultimately, it's going to come down to Ryan Poles, right? He has an opportunity. He could have an opportunity because the Bears currently are projected to have the first two picks in the draft. The Panthers are on a bye week next week. So, I mean, they're not winning any games. So that's going to stay the number one pick. And if the Bears continue to lose, I mean, it's an important decision that Poles is going to have to make, even though I think we can agree there are that this team is not is more than a quarterback away from being a contender. But also this is, you know, a big year for fields, like you mentioned. So the sooner he can get out there, get back out there, the better. And not to mention, if they do go in a different route with a new head coach, that new head coach and that new regime is going to they're going to want to look to see what they have in Justin Fields. And if they all they have to go off of is, you know, the, the first six games, they may think, you know what, we're just going to start with a rookie quarterback. We're going to restart the rookie contract cycle. We're going to pay the guy nothing for four years and see if we can win that way. Uh, so it was in Fields best interest to get as good as much good tape on his resume as possible. Uh, if if uh, Iberflus's staff is let go, uh, you want to prove that you can still be the guy to the next coach. Although uh, I, I don't know. I just think it was always my thought and my feeling that if they got a new head coach there would also be a new quarterback in town yeah and it certainly doesn't help that Justin Fields still has not played an entire season yeah, in the NFL because he's going to miss Sunday most likely he's doubtful so I mean it, it's frustrating because like we've seen especially the last two weeks that you know, the talent and potential that Fields has and there are bigger issues around him but he is also part of the problem so you know the evaluation process over these final games whenever he's able to, to, to come back he's going to really need to put on a show yeah it's it's once again nothing can be consistent with the bears of course welcome to our lives so yeah. john we're going to move on from the quarterback to the coach uh matt eberflus is now four and 19 as head coach of the bears and many fans have lost faith in this bears coaching staff as a whole and want to see changes as soon as possible 
So I'm going to ask you, is Matt Eberflus already a lame duck coach in week seven of his second season? You know the drill, 55 seconds. Oh, woof. Uh, I'll say it this way. I don't think Ryan Poles is at the point where he knows if he's going to fire Matt Eberflus yet. I know the fans have made up their mind on it, and I can't say I blame them for that opinion. Uh, One win in almost a calendar year is enough to make anyone's blood boil. Uh, I'm just not sure what Matt Eberflus is going to say to Ryan Poles or Kevin Warren or George McCaskey at the end of the season that is going to convince them that they made any progress in year two. I mean, they could end up having a worse record this year than they did last year when they stripped down the roster and basically tanked. Uh, after an offseason of spending money in free agency, having some of your players in your offensive and defensive scheme for a second year, getting past the rookie head coach label, getting your offensive coordinator past that first-year play caller label, and yet you're still somehow a bigger dumpster fire than you were last year. So while I don't believe that decision has been made as of week seven, I do believe Iberflus probably needs a Hail Mary here. Yeah, I mean, I feel like at this point, I have a strong feeling that they're going to move on from him. And the only thing I could think of is I re- like if he's going to somehow be here next year, because the importance is Justin Fields, right? Mm-hmm. Or in the development of, or if you have a, head, a new head coach, it's going to be whatever quarterback they bring in. But if it's Eberflus and Justin Fields, maybe it's more like, you know, Luke Getze's a scapegoat for everything. But the thing is, it's not just the offense, right? It's also the defense, and he is a defensive-minded head coach, and the Bears' defense has been the worst in the league since he's gotten here. So it's not – I feel like it's something where he'd have a hard time really kind of pointing the blame, you know, on one specific person because when when all of this is going wrong, when so much is going wrong, it's not just one person. So, I mean, I find it hard to believe that he's going to last beyond this year, but I do think at this point, I I think he will make it to the end of the season, which is something – during that 14 game losing streak, you know, we weren't sure of. Well, even if they do make Getty the scapegoat uh, and they let him go, whatever offensive coordinator you do bring in is going to have his own system. So it's not like keeping Eberflus is going to be great for the continuity of Justin Fields because they're going to bring in a new offensive staff anyway. They're going to bring in a new offensive coordinator and a new offensive scheme. And so if you're going to do that because you want continuity with Justin Fields, you're really not doing that because Eberflus is a defensive-minded head coach and doesn't really have a whole lot to do with the schematics of the offense, I assume. Uh, So who Whoever they would, if they were going to put this all on Getzy and ship him out of town, you're still giving Justin Fields another a, a new scheme, and you know for the third time in four years. So, I, 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 if you're going to make Getzy the scapegoat, you might as well send the Eberflus out of there too, because it's not like you're doing Justin Fields any favor by just keeping Eberflus there, because you're going to bring in a new offensive scheme anyway. From your lips to God ears, please. Yeah. Let's, let's go. <laughs> okay, John. So we're doing a lot of forecasting in this segment, so let's stick with it. The Bears currently sit at one in five, and they likely won't be favored in another game this season, maybe the Panthers game. So how many more potential wins do you realistically see left in the season? Wait, you know what? No, no, no. Feel free not to be realistic because I don't think I want to hear this. You've got 55 seconds. Go for it. I, this has just changed so dramatically and since like early September, but this kind of plays into my last answer of how I forecasted Matt Eberflus's future with the team, because I see maybe 
four winnable games, but I think they probably only get one or two more. And I think they can keep up with Vegas this Sunday, but wouldn't necessarily bet on them to win. I think they can beat Carolina at home, and that's a Thursday night game, and it's in the Bears' best interest to beat the Panthers and hopefully keep them at the number one pick, although it's almost as broad as it is long at this point because the Bears only have one win as well. Uh, But looking over the schedule, I think they can compete with the Cardinals, maybe the Falcons, but like I said, I don't expect them to win all of those winnable games, but I do expect them to be one score games and they shouldn't be blowouts. So I guess all in all at this point, are we really looking at two and 15 or a three and 14 record? That seriously pains me to say because expectations were at least eight or nine wins. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at the schedule. I mean, I think I could say one win and that would be the Panthers game, which might be the only other game this season that they're favored in. But like you said, that's the frustrating thing, right? Is that these are winnable games. There are plenty of winnable games left on the schedule. Like you mentioned, uh, the Raiders, uh, the Panthers, I mean, Minnesota, they played them well, surprisingly, the offense could kind of get itself together. Uh, Arizona, Atlanta, I mean, Mm -hmm. Green Bay is not that good. Uh, Maybe getting a shot at them at the last game of the season might do something. I mean, there are winnable games on there, but I don't know how confident I am to say that they're going to win more than one or two, maybe. And like you said, that is disappointing because we had such high expectations for this team. Um, but I mean, when we went through the schedule game by game, oh, I'm like, I don't want, I don't want that to surface. No, <laughs> it's like it's, freezing it's cold takes. <laughs> it's embarrassing. Absolutely embarrassing. If you look back on it now, I'm not going to, yeah, I'm not going to run away from, from it because uh, yeah. you know, I was wrong. I'm wrong all the time. If you're, if you, if you, if you're going to get on me for being wrong, then you clearly have not been watching this show for very long because I'm wrong about it everything so it was uh it's it was it was bad that we had it was it's upsetting that we had those expectations and honestly it felt like the season was lost at the almost at the end of september that's what like it, like in september early october it's like okay the season's lost what can they do and that's that's what really that's what really was disheartening because the season felt like it was over so fast after all the build up for you know 6 7 months and the things that they added and what we thought they could do we weren't necessarily thinking super bowl or even the division but they should have been in the hunt when it comes to you know trying to get a wild card spot and that just they they didn't even get out of the gate they the gate opened and they just fell down like that's that's basically that's basically what it was. It, it was disheartening from the start. Yeah, that was my thing too. I expected them to contend for a playoff spot. Like you said, be in the hunt. I was looking forward to it. And then it, it really did feel like after that Packers loss in week one, to yeah. me, it just felt like it kind of felt even I know it's one game, but it felt like it was over because things just didn't feel right. Like the offense didn't look how he was supposed to look. The defense looked worse, even though their improvements had been made. And it felt like more of the same. And it was just so deflating. And then obviously the next two weeks, uh, three weeks with the Broncos game too. I mean, it's, I mean, it's not fun. I mean, when, when you're already doing mock drafts at this point or doing mock drafts before week six or week five or whatnot and talking about draft order, I mean, it's not fun. No, it's it's it sucks because like you you have all this anticipation and you're so you're so excited and I, and I was so geared up for not just you know the Bears but for fo- football season in general and it just makes it hard whenever you know it's been so long and we're I'm like I love watching football and I I watch some of these good teams play like Kansas City and Buffalo and Philadelphia and you see them having these really good games competitive games and they they pull it out and you're like wow like. I don't get to see that with my team. Like, I don't, honestly, I like, I don't have that confidence. Like I I'm listen, I I grew up near Pittsburgh. And so Steeler fans are some of the most confident fans you're ever going to come across because even no matter what their roster is like, they're expecting to win. 
their their expectation is we will win this game. I don't care who if Kenny Pickett is our quarterback, if Mitch Trubisky is our quarterback, we'll have 25 sacks and we'll have our defense score 15 points if we have to. We're gonna win this game. That's that's that that's that's the mentality that other fan bases have. And I just don't know if I've ever had that feeling. Maybe in the early 2000s when the defense was incredible, and I was just like, wow, okay, maybe just get the ball to Devin Hester or let the defense score on an interception or a fumble recovery. That's that's kind of that's kind of how it that's kind of how it felt. But it's been a long time since you just like, oh, they're gonna pull it out. They're gonna be, they're gonna they're gonna be fine. They're gonna pull it out. I just haven't had that feeling. Like that sucks that other fan bases get to have that. It's like it's a foreign language to me. I mean, like you just mentioned, that was almost 20 years ago. Oh God! Yeah, the last time, and, and it's it's frustrating too because you see like a team like the Lions, who trust me, having a Detroit family and like man, Detroit sports in general, but Lions fans have really been put through the ringer, and yeah. to see them finally turn the corner, and it's like, okay, but what about us? Like, right? When are the Bears going to be able to turn a corner? Finally, get there. I mean. <laughs> Like you said, it, it, it's frustrating because of the anticipation and it really felt like fans were ready for this season. They are ready for the Bears to contend, even if they weren't going to contend with the playoffs, even if they weren't going to make it, right? We're expecting something better, which they couldn't, I mean, they couldn't even give us like a, they couldn't even give us like no. a month. Couldn't even get no. out. Of, couldn't even get out of September before we were. Already we got one half, season. maybe, but it was frustrating. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then, and you know, they give you one little, you know, nugget on a Thursday night, and then it's back to, you know, you know, you got what you needed. You get, you get, you got your one win. So let's go back to what we we're doing. <laughs> Yay! So we're gonna end on something fun, which is something Ooh, we don't get to do very often here, uh, because we brought the mood down there a little bit. So <laughs> once again, you will be attending the Bears game this weekend against the Raiders. So. You were also in attendance when the Bears tallied their only win of the season of the last six, uh, 16 games, mind you. Uh, so, John, do you believe your good luck will translate into another Bears win? And what are you expecting during your trip to Chicago? No clock? Let's hear it. Oh, man, I am so excited to get back to Chicago that not even the Bears can ruin it. I I'm traveling with my brother and the Buffon boys are going to be running free in the Windy City. Uh, we're going to be visiting family, eating pizza, hanging with the barflies. Some of my fellow barroom hosts will be taking in the sights. And yes, we'll be making our way over to Soldier Field to watch our Bears take on the Las Vegas Raiders. And there's truly something special about attending a game in person, regardless of the record. When you're in the stands and you're watching your team, you are so emotionally invested. It feels like the Super Bowl because you're there. It doesn't matter if you're a contender or you're the worst team in the league. You want your team to win because you're in the stadium. So I love being in Chicago, and I'm really going to enjoy this weekend being around some incredible people. And one thing is for sure, Buffon is ready to bear down, baby. That'll do it for the B55 segment. After this message, we'll preview the Las Vegas Raiders and talk with Danny Shimon, the Barroom's lead analyst. The fall is where we rock here at the Barroom Network with over 15 shows scheduled from September to January. Make sure you subscribe to the Barroom Network's YouTube channel and wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Buffone 55. This week, the Bears take on a Las Vegas Raiders team that's coming off a win over the New England Patriots. Aldo Gandia previews a 3-3 three three team that could be beatable on Sunday. 
The autumn wind is a pirate. The mythology of the Raiders was established decades ago in aura of danger, fight, and winds. But for the past 20 years, that aura has evaporated. Darren Sproles gives the Chargers the lead with 18 seconds remaining. What a great... Two winning seasons since 2003. Now the Raiders, coached by someone unfamiliar to losing when he was offensive coordinator of the Patriots, Josh McDaniel is trying to bring back the Raiders of old. Victories over the Packers and Patriots have been led by a rollicking and boisterous defense. Hicked off! Spillane! Right to him! In the last three games, the defense has allowed an average of 18 points. That's a full touchdown better than what they finished with last year. Turnovers are a big part of that equation. You get turnovers, it leads to wins. So obviously that's going to be a point of emphasis for every defense throughout the league. And I'm just happy that guys are getting, seeing the results of their hard work. Work on it every day. All right, let's work. Come on, ready to rock. Here it is. Propelling the defense has been the defensive line, featuring Max Crosby and his five and a half sacks and eight tackles for loss. The energy level from the whole group, you know, from, you know, Jank to Bilal to AB to Tillery, all, all those guys working hard together, you know, and Max is their leader in terms of being the leader of the defense and the defensive line. You can see them starting really to gel together, working hard together and, and getting some results from their, their hard work. The defensive line is effective against the run, but fans want to see first round draft pick Tyree Wilson get his first sack. Tyree, started with you, bro. Two weeks ago, the defense hated on Jordan Love and the Packers intercepting him three times. Linebacker Robert Spillane had two of them. The Raiders have only allowed 10 completions of 20 plus yards this season, the fewest in the NFL. A big reason why is the play of safety Trevon Mooring. They're getting pressure up front, um, you know, make the quarterback move around. Um, it makes our job easier on the coverage end, so. Yeah, man, I mean, I think the defense in general, man, I mean, you look at them these last two weeks, feel like they're starting to have our identity, man. They've been carrying, carrying us a little bit. The offense isn't making defenses shake and quiver and quake, especially with an injury to Jimmy Garoppolo that could keep him out Sunday. When Brian Hoyer took the field to replace Garoppolo, the greeting wasn't very receptive. You know, to hear the fans boom and shit was kind of crazy, um, but he came out there and bombed him and shut him up. So. Picked up. Hoyer launches. Man is open. Down to the 20-yard line. What a throw. Fans thought Aiden O'Connell's impressive preseason should have elevated him, but the rookie fumbled twice in his lone start this season against the Chargers. With Garoppolo not practicing Wednesday and Hoyer leading two scoring drives in the second half, the veteran backup is the likely starter against another one of his former teams. Um, you know, the fact that we've played three guys already um, certainly doesn't hurt. Uh, it's not ideal in terms of what you want to do, but, um, you know, they both got game experience. They both, you know, um, you know, have had to operate our offense in critical situations in close games. So um, that's helpful for them, too. On Sunday, Josh Jacobs reached a milestone, 5,000 career rushing yards. 
But the Raiders' ground game this season ranks near the bottom of the league. They average over 60 fewer yards than the Bears do in their rushing game. Another challenge for the Raiders' offense is getting Devontae Adams more involved. He's had only six catches in the Raiders' two wins and no touchdowns since the team's Week 2 loss to the Steelers. Jacoby Myers leads the team with four touchdown catches. Part of the problem with scoring for the Raiders is their red zone performance. Their scoring percentage is trending down. Good news in the red zone could be coming from rookie Michael Mayer. I really like him. I think his future is really bright, and you're going to see him be more involved in this offense every week. Um, yeah, I think there's going to be a lot more of that for sure. According to Pro Football Focus, the Raiders' offensive line is trending up with Colton Miller leading the way. He did not allow a pass pressure against the Patriots. And a 53-yard try by Daniel. Place kicker Daniel Carlson missed two of three field goal attempts against the Packers, but was perfect versus the Patriots. Punter A.J. Cole has been outstanding at flipping the field for the Raiders. And the Raiders' defense will have very, very good field position against the Bronco offense. Oh, my. The NFL Films poem ends this way. The autumn wind is a Raider, pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you around and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. We'll see this Sunday at Soldier Field against the Bears. For Buffon 55, I'm Aldo Gandia. Ooh, that autumn wind music just gets me all tingly. I love that. Great, great job again by Aldo Gandia. Holy smokes, is that wow. good video? It's like it's I it's I'm watching it, but I'm just like uh, at the same time, I'm learning about the Raiders, but I'm like Damn, that he's just putting these things together very well. Uh, let's bring on Danny Shimon, lead, uh, barroom lead analyst. Danny, how you doing, buddy? Man, I'm telling you, uh, Matt Eberflus, he missed it, right? Instead of hiring Phil Snow for his for his uh, assistant, he should have hired Aldo Gandia. He would have previewed the upcoming opponent much better, much thoroughly than, yes. than uh, Mr. What Phil Snow would have done for him. What, what else do you need from man Certainly. Aldo Gandia? What what a, what a asset to have here, but Danny. Let's just jump right into it. This is a segment we call Buffon's Basement. We kind of have a free-for-all conversation here. But I, I do want to ask you uh, and start off with this. The offense was explosive against Denver and, and Washington. Both of those were on the road, by the way. But what happened? Uh, was it was it Matt Flores? Did it, or Matt Flores. Was it <laughs> Brian Flores? Was it a masterful scheme put together by Brian Flores? What happened when the Bears go from scoring 28 and 40 to a measly 13? Yeah, well, well, uh, John and Alyssa, the ugliness was back on offense. I mean, in terms of, you know, the pass protection was shoddy at best. Uh, you know, there, there, was, there was confusion up front in terms of who to guard. There was one one play I saw where uh, Whitehair and Jatir Carter turn around and block each other. I mean, literally. Oh, it's going viral. Each other. Uh, it, it, was, it was embarrassing. And obviously, for me, obviously, the, the, the initial – the initial drive, the play calling, I, I question in terms of coming out an empty set against a, a defense that's aggressive, and obviously the execution wasn't wasn't there. Someone missed the call, whether it's Justin with with the hot read or or the offensive line picking up the free defender. Obviously, the first play they got a sack that juices up the the Vikings defense. Second play was a pitch out to Darrington Evans that uh, loses two yards. Evans who who you know played a solid game, but was on the Dolphins practice squad a week ago. Uh, it, it was, and I know the Bears are dealing injuries in, in the backfield, so I, I understand that part. But uh, 
and yeah, I mean, and then that obviously the third play was a sack. So, so that first series really just gave the the juice to the to the Vikings defense, and they came in and just they they, they kind of knew. I, matter of fact, uh, you know, Brad Biggs, a great reporter for the local Chicago Tribune, had a had a column where he talked to one of the defensive linemen for the for the Vikings, and he, and he said like we knew their protection scheme that that they don't slide guys over, and that they go five five guys against where if you bring up five or six guys defenders up against the box again, that's the the opponent. You know, talking like that, but uh, it, it's, it wasn't good. It wasn't pretty. All having said all that, it was a one-score game at halftime. So the Bears were in it. You know, thank, thankfully the defense kind of rallied, shut down the the, the, the pathetic running attack of, of the Vikings. But then obviously the injury to Justin happened, and then the turnovers from from Bajent. I think that was that was it. But yeah, it was it was just ugly in that first half. Um, but you know, that, that same stuff we saw in the first couple of games was was, was kind of creeping back. Obviously the Nate Davis injury uh, didn't help the offensive line continuity either. So. A lot of bad there at first half. Yeah, the uh, the get, uh, the GIF or the short video of the Bears offensive linemen blocking each other is making its rounds on social media. Which, if the as if the Bears didn't need more, you know, content for people to make fun of them for. Let's just keep throwing this video out with them blocking themselves. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's that. laughing at us. Yeah. <laughs> it's just another thing, you know. Is it, they only stop for one week. They stopped laughing at us for one week, and then they start back laughing again. This oh yeah, we got we got a one week reprieve from that, and then they right did it for you uh, when yeah. you were at the game, and for me on my birthday. So much appreciated, but now back to reality. Yeah, we get we got a one week kind of vacation, and and we're back on that. So Alyssa, I'm turning to you now. As we as we know, Tyson Bajan is probably the starter Sunday against the Raiders. Uh, obviously, you watched him closely in the preseason, and now for a quarter and a half against the Vikings. What does your intuition tell you about Bajan? Do you sense what 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 kind of what can you sense from his debut? What are you kind of forecasting here? Um, the first thing that really stood out was he's an undrafted rookie, right? And we yeah. saw that with the mistakes that he was making. I mean, good on him for coming off the bench like that, stepping into that situation. And he did orchestrate the lone touchdown drive uh, and scored on a, on a rushing touchdown as well. But we also did see that, you know, he is someone that's going to stand there in the pocket. And he was getting away with that in the preseason. He has a good feel for it. But this is the same offensive line that has got almost gotten Justin Fields killed. So he learned pretty quickly that you can't do that. Um, but, you know, the thing that I did like watching him during the preseason was that, you know, he didn't really get rattled. Um, and we caught a glimpse uh, of that, too, on Sunday. Um, but with that said, you know, he is young. He's a rookie. He's going to make mistakes. This is going to be a roller coaster ride on Sunday. You know, he made those he had those two turnovers against the Vikings. And I, I think that having a week to prepare is, is definitely going to help him. And listening to his press conference today, you know, he sounds just incredibly grateful for this opportunity. And he said that he's really into go fight to the death out there with this guys, get as many wins as they can until fields comes back. And uh, we don't know when that's going to be. I don't know when they play the the Panthers, which might be like one win we can pencil them in for. So I don't know. He said wins plural. So, I mean, he's optimistic too. I guess I can give him that. Um, but, you know, the one thing I will say though, is that, you know, he's someone that gets the ball out quickly and he really does seem like the kind of quarterback that fits the offense that Luke Getzey wants to run. So I think that, we're going to see him move the ball effectively, get it out quick, but it doesn't necessarily mean that he's better than Fields. And I do think that Bears fans are going to notice uh, Fields' absence in a big way in this game. Yeah, and I said this after the game on Sunday, where it's he he seemed so poised talking to the media. Obviously, that does not translate into being a great quarterback, but he did handle himself very well, and actually 
answered the questions very well as to not throw anyone under the bus or to put anybody in a precarious situation. He basically, he, he towed the line as a veteran quarterback would in a, in a media interview. So I was impressed by that. But like I just said, that doesn't mean that you're going to be able to lead the bears to 28 or 35 points. Uh, it just means that I, 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 I can already see that he is a, a high character player. Uh, Danny, uh, given what you know about Bajan, what kind of game plan would you advise Luke Getzey to develop for the young rookie? Uh, now we we know that Getzey isn't always best at that, but what would you what would you tell uh, Luke Getzey to do with Tyson Bajan? Well, John and Alyssa, I have two answers for you. I have the, my offense. My offense would be twelve personnel. I'd, I'd come out. I'd, I'd I'd make sure I'd have two tight ends, or at least one tight end on either side that Max Crosby is on. Give Bajan some sort of uh, you know you know uh, calmness back there, knowing that you have two guys on on Max Crosby who's by far and away their, their best uh pass rusher and then and then i would just establish the run and build my my passing attack off of the the play action in the run game you know bajan is you know for for what he you know what he what he lacks in terms of experience you know he's you know solid size of 6'3 216 you know doesn't have a cannon for arm but pretty good arm strength you know he's he's a he's a um an athletic kid you know he, you know you don't you don't think of that but he's a pretty athletic kid so i still keep that play action the boot action in, into it give him some easy throws get his confidence going um and then the one thing that he does have right now currently over justin is he has that quick release Alyssa mentioned it you know a quick release get the ball out of his hands so a lot of quick game stuff which is slip screens bubble screens get the ball out of his hands into the playmaker's hands that was what i would do now what i think luke is going to do because i i personally in my opinion i think this is cya time at, at hallis hall i think they're going to go out there and prove and just that, that they need to keep their jobs if not here then, then put up some good tape for you know in terms of resume for the other other 31 teams and i think he's going to go out there and he's going to run his offense he's going to run his offense He's not going to have the RPO stuff like with Justin in there, but he's going to run his offense. He's going to ha have let uh, Bajan go out and, and, and do this thing. And, and Bajan said today that actually the offense they ran at Shepard was very similar to what they run here with the Bears. So, you know, in terms of concepts and all that stuff, he's, he's pretty familiar with it, right? So I think he's going to let him run his, run his offense and say, hey, you know what? The Bears go up there and put up, you know, 30-plus points. You know, gets to come back there and say, guys, it's not my fault. It's the it's the guy pulling the trigger. And I think they have their scapegoat for, you know, for, for the season. So I think that's what they're what they're that's what he's gonna do. That's in my opinion. But to, if he wants to win, he's protect the kid. I mean, I think we all I think we speak for everyone. Can you be the Bears offensive coordinator this week? I mean, <laughs> we're moving forward. I mean, you know how to, you know how to fit, to fit the I, players. I <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I've actually got a question for both of you guys. So we're a little past the third mark of the season, which the one third mark, which is it's flying by pretty quickly, all things considered. So let's hand out some grades. So I've got three names for you on offense, and then, we're, then I'm going to ask you about some of the players on defense. So let's start with, I mean, we we're just talking about offensive coordinator Luke Getze. What grade would you give him through the first third of the season? John, let's start with you. Oh God, I guess it's a D. Uh, I mean that it's, it, I give him a, a tiny boost off of those two games uh, in Denver and Washington. Uh, Cause it seemed like he figured it out of how he should be using Justin Fields. But other than that, he just reverts back to, I don't know. It's just like, Oh, three screens. Okay, cool. Or let's just keep doing, we should keep hammering away at this or the protection is wrong. And so D uh, I know that's a passing grade, but a D is not something you want to hear out of your offensive coordinator. And that's probably enough to get you shipped out of town. So I'll, I'll give him a nice solid D. Danny, what about you? Yeah, I agree. A, a D is, is what I was thinking as well. 
And, uh, you know, not only the, the offense looked, you know, out of sort the first couple of weeks, uh, it took, you know, it took, what, three weeks for them to finally, you know, get Justin going in, in those, those those games against Denver and, and, and Washington. You know, obviously, you know, uh, DJ Moore hasn't, you know, got off to a slow start, picked it up last couple of weeks. You know, we're still waiting to see Darnell Moody in this offense. You know, obviously, you know, the, the, the lack of progression that we've seen so far overall in Justin is also has to fall at the feet of the offensive, uh, offensive coordinator. You know, we talked about earlier in terms of the blocking, you know, the, the block was confused fuse who to block uh you know first couple games that happened this past game that happened you know receivers early on not running at full speed off 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 their off the snap the ball look like they're not sure where to be lining up two, two guys in the same spot just just the the whole offense looked like it was broken early on and that all, all falls at the at the feet of the offense corner because he's he's pretty much a head coach of the offense so this is offense uh, besides those two games against uh Against Denver and Washington, this offense has looked broken and looked out of sync. And and to me, it's it's, it's a D grade for for Luke Getzey. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you too. I'm giving him a D, and the only reason he's not getting an F is because of the Broncos and Commanders game, but games. But he very well could. Uh, okay, so let's continue with quarterback Justin Fields. So you know, it's been an up and down year for him. And like you said, there have been a number of factors in how a season has gone so far. But how would you grade Justin Fields? through the first six weeks and Daniel, let's start with you. Well, I'm, I'm one of the biggest Justin, Justin backers out here. And, and, but to be honest with you, I, if I had to be honest here, I'd give him a C uh, just because of the fact that, again, the inconsistencies we've seen I, now, a lot of it, I, I have kind of said, you know, the offense isn't designed to, to, to kind of, bring out his strengths it's it's more of an offense and they, they they put in plays that they feel like justin will excel at uh, instead of breaking the whole offense down and making it you know make him the center point of, of the offense so we talked about earlier the offensive line you know in terms of some blocking issues in terms of assignment issues the receivers not really getting involved uh so i, I think in terms of justin I, I think he needed to take the next step now again I don't want to make excuses for him. I, I do think some of this is part of the, the, the play calling and all that stuff, but I, I did still want to see him, you know, I still see some of the things I saw last year. I saw some things staring down receivers, not pulling the trigger. Um, you know, he talked about the thing with, with early on with coaching being, you know, kind of slowing him down, playing robotic. You know, why is that, Justin? You know, why are you not kind of going above your coaching and, and, and just letting your true talents, you know, come out? So, you know, he's a guy that, that doesn't, you know, uh, you know, Shouldn't deserve all the blame, but also, you know, has to take some of it as well. So that's why overall I, I give him a C. Yeah, I, I promised Danny and I did not coordinate our answers beforehand, but I, I, I see my notes, man. Yeah, C was my grade, and I, and I mean, I was gonna say incomplete, but I thought that was gonna be a complete, uh, you know, cop out. So I, I was gonna, I said, I'm saying C because it's and it's one of those C's that you're really disappointed in. It's one of those tests that you study for and you cram for because you really want to get a good grade on it, and so and you're really hopeful and you really need this test and you really need this to bring up your GPA and you study and you study and you study and you, study and you take the test and you. You get it back and you're just like oh man a c crap <laughs> and that's like a big, and i think that that's the analogy here because we had such high hopes going into the season that things were going to click and things were going to take that next step and you see flashes of it but it just was not it's just not consistent at this point so uh i i think that a, a disappointing c would be would be my grade for that Oh my God, it's a clean sweep again. I would agree. See, average. I think he's been average. Hey, we're just all very well knowledgeable. <laughs> so, oh hey, yeah, run the tape back. Run the tape back and see how knowledgeable. <laughs> wait, wait. No, no that tape is burned. No it's gone. It's yeah. gone. Let's gone. let's not give ourselves too much credit because there's plenty of proof that we're not that knowledgeable sometimes. Hey, hey this well, is we, we have our moments. Here. They're, 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 they're not coming right. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, no, I definitely agree. C. I mean, he's been average, but like a lot of what Danny was saying too, just it's a lot of the same things we saw last year and that's fine for a second season and first in that offense, but it's a second year in Lugetti's scheme. It's it's the same things, and you wanted to see him. We want to see him take that step. We've seen it at a couple of games, but I think inconsistency inconsistency is his worst thing right now. He really needs to just hit his hit his stride at this point. So we'll see. There, there's plenty of time left. Uh, but let's switch to uh, DJ Moore. So I mean, he's had some big games. He had a career game against the Commanders. Our our only win of the season, guys. So what grade would you give DJ Moore through the first? third of the season john let's start with you oh it's an a i'm giving the guy an a because he he's the the bears have been waiting for a bona fide number one receiver and this guy can do that he's a yard after the catch guy he can make the uh he can make the possession catches if he needed it he can he can be a, a, a touchdown catching receiver and i believe you know through the six games he's already eclipsed what the leading receiver had for chicago last year which would have been cole Komet, uh over like 500 some yards and right now he has 32 catches for 582 yards and five touchdowns that would have led the bears last year altogether that would have been he would have been if he stops right now he would have been the leading receiver for the bears in, in 2022 so uh it's it's got it's got to be an a for me they you know if anything came out of that terrible tank last year, you know, they get the, you know, they get right in the draft, but DJ Moore coming over here to solidify himself as the number one receiver was huge because he, he will be, no matter who the quarterback is moving forward uh, or what the future is, DJ Moore is your number one receiver. And what about you, Danny? What do you think? This is our, this is our first difference here, John. I, I give him a B plus, oh. not, not big of a, not that big of a, a gap, but I, I, I think obviously that the two big games against Denver and Washington were his real two big games. Uh, you know, you know, a, a lot of it say, you know, the first couple of games were just the, the offense was out of sync. Everything was out of sync. So you can't really hold it against them. And, and that's true. Uh, so I, I want to see, but, but it's a B plus going trending upwards. So right? I want to see him continue this, you know, going here. How does he you know, mesh with, with Tyson Bajan? Is it one game, two games? You know, how does he continue to, to kind of, and once Justin goes back, how does he come back and continue that progression with Justin? Uh, you know, what we saw against Washington is what, uh, what everyone expects to see of a true number one receiver. So, and, and I'm obviously, I, you know, I've been vocal in terms of when the trade was made, I, I wanted him to prove to me he is a number one receiver, you know, in terms of, guy that that draws all the attention and still can produce so i mean he's he's trending in the upper upper you know direction for me um i i am i am i'm positive about about uh about dj moore and his future here in chicago yeah wow we're actually all different here i'm gonna give him an a plus you want to know what Ooh. i mean he's been the best receiver that the bears have had in a long time greater? and you kind of <laughs> you, you you look at too. I mean, obviously the the Washington game. He's had uh, one or three one hundred yard receiving games this season, and it kind of makes you wonder what would have happened if they got him involved sooner and they targeted him more. Because I don't think for like you know his for some of those games where he hasn't had as many receiving yards. I mean, how much of that is his fault? I remember that one drop. I think it was against the Chiefs or whatnot. I mean, for the most part, I, I'm leaning more A plus. It's like between A A plus. I mean, he's just been on fire. I mean, he he's been a great addition to this offense. It really makes you wonder just how bad they could be if he wasn't on the team. So, I mean, I think yeah. he's helped Justin Fields out a lot. We want to get him more involved. I mean, it shouldn't be that hard. Look at come on. But I mean, like Danny said, it'll be interesting to see how he meshes with Bajan who they haven't really had a chance to, uh, to develop that chemistry yet, but they're going to have to do it quickly. Alyssa, how many A pluses did you give out whenever you were a teacher? Um, Maybe one when they. Okay, so I, this I have is in high regard. You're holding DJ Moore in very high regards. You've yeah. given, he's like he's well, like actually, one no, of the two A pluses you've given out in your life. I've given out a few, and normally I'd have a bonus question where you'd have to tell me, you know, 
who's my favorite team. And I mean, everyone knew, so they get some bonus points there. Um, one but thing yeah, about no, I mean, more real quick. Sorry to cut you off. One thing about more, I, I want to see, I want him to see him be more aggressive in terms of asking for the ball, demanding the football. He, he's a, he's an easygoing guy. Sure. He's like, you know, we'll, we'll go with the, we'll go with the play flow, whatever the, you know, the call is progression. Dude, if you're a number one receiver, you're the guy that wants to be the, the guy in this offense in terms of the, the, the number one option, go and tell him, Justin or it's Beijing, whoever it is, give me a damn ball. Like, you know, sure. there's a couple you know plays where he was wide open down, down, down the sideline. Talk to Justin. Be like, listen, look at me every damn time. I should be your first option. Just kind of be one of those divas like like a lot of these receivers are. Just ask for – don't be – don't be a Stefan Diggs. I'm not saying do that, but well, just be a guy that demands be a mini diva. You are well, yeah, Jamar Chase. But it calls for it. it. Jamar Chase in his post game interview saying, "I'm always you know effing open." That's See his little medallion, Seven Eleven logos, his new medallion. Oh, oh, open all open twenty four seven. I love it. Okay, so guys, we're gonna switch to the defense. Great. Um, so I know, yeah, this is gonna be. Just if you have an AM defense, I'm gonna question discussion. you, Alyssa. <laughs> nope, no, I got none, okay. none, none. Okay, so let's start with Matt Eberflus, uh, and we're gonna focus on him as a defensive play caller since he took over for Allen Williams in Week Two. So, Danny, let's start with you. What grade are you gonna give Eberflus for his role as defensive play caller through the first third of the season? Well, I'll give him a, I'll give him a B minus. I'm gonna be nice to Matt Eberflus because I think as a defensive play caller. I think, it, unfortunately, it took him four weeks to finally figure out his front four can't get to the quarterback, so he's going to start blitzing. So I think once he started becoming aggressive and started bringing blitzes from all three levels, the, the, the slot corner, the safeties, the linebackers, it continued to last week a little bit, not as much as, as Washington, but it continued to last week. I think you know, we saw the defense kind of rally around that. We saw the defense liking playing aggressive. We saw the defense rallying to the football. You saw some turnovers being created on, on defense. So I think as a play caller, I think I'll give him a B minus as long as he continues to keep that aggressiveness. And now once he gets his defensive line or, or, or consistency from defensive line in terms of you know providing pressure, he can maybe stop with the blitzing and kind of just time it here and there. But, and, but until then, he's got to continue to be aggressive and continue to try and enforce the other quarterback off his spot and, and try and force something in terms of a, a sack, a, a turnover, an errant throw, something like that. Yeah, I'm giving him a C, and that's because we're grading on a curve because the, the bar was set so low that before he took over play calling duties that, you know, it could only go up. I don't see how it could have gotten any worse. And so I, I think that they have improved, but I'm giving him a C because this was supposed to be the side of the ball where they invested all this money in, and they, they were it was supposed to be a strength outside. I mean, they invested draft picks into the defensive line. They invested a ton of money in the linebackers. The secondary was supposed to be a strength to this team with all the you know with all the young talent they have back there uh and they and they they still struggle at times and so i i'm, I'm encouraged by what i saw last sunday and you know that grade can change from a c and go up if they continue to do what they're doing uh but as it is holistically uh, from the data we have now i can only i can only give a c for that i'm gonna go with an a no i'm joking i'm joking that's a joke okay. that is a I'm actually going to give him a C minus uh, and it's a lot for a lot of the reasons what John was talking about too. And, you know, you're upgrading this defensive roster. You're expecting it to be better than it was last year. We could excuse him last season because it was just a God awful sure. roster that he had to work with, but you're a defensive minded head coach. You were brought here. Defense should not be an issue. And they rank dead last or near dead last in most defensive categories, except for one, uh, which is they're actually pretty solid against the run right now. Um, so, I mean, I just – I mean, he was thrown into a rough spot, and it's hard to, you know, be the head coach and to be the defensive coordinator. I get it. But at the same time, it's just – 
and like Danny was saying, was saying, it took him four weeks to realize that just mm-hmm. rushing her front four is not going to get it done. And it's like, wait, why did it take you that long, right? Just like Luke Getzi, why did it take you that long to realize? Go after DJ more and more. Um, so, I mean, just, again, it could change. I am, like John said, encouraged by last week's performance, but we'll see if they can continue against the Raiders. Maybe that's C-minus. Guys, guys I, it can't be, I can't be the guy giving them a higher grade here. I'm the one asking for him to depart. <laughs> well, we're... Listen, we, we were grading him strictly as a defensive play Thank caller. You. We're not grading him as a head coach. Yes. We Thank were you. grading him as a defensive head coach. Some people in the chat were kind of asking yeah, that question. This is like, certainly this is not about his grade as a head coach. No. This is about strictly as a defensive play caller. Let's make sure that we're not getting that twisted. As a head coach, yes. F minus. Sure. Yeah, F minus, F minus, minus. Yeah. <laughs> G, G. I don't G. G. <laughs> Just for God awful. Um, <laughs> Okay, so let's switch to one of the big additions to the defensive line, uh, Yannick Ngakwe this season. So, I mean, John, let's start with you. What grade would you give Ngakwe through the first third of the season? Oh, I guess I guess a C, maybe a C minus. Uh, when you when you give that guy a one year deal, he's you know he's not really in the long term plans, but he only has two sacks. And I guess if oh god, my math is terrible, that would put him on track for what five and a half sacks or something for the year, maybe six sacks. Am I in the ballpark there? Uh, and so I, I'm going C minus because you're hoping that you bring him in as a, you know a, a defensive pass rush rush specialist he's gonna get you eight nine maybe ten sacks and it's just he's not really on track he's getting pressure on the quarterback he has a little issues you know finishing those sacks but uh you'd like to see him you'd like to see that number be a little bit higher for what they're paying there is a reason that he didn't get picked up until they the bears did sign him so i i mean you have to take that into account we can't expect that this guy was going to be a you know a 15 sack guy just for signing him off the street you know as late as they did but uh you'd like to see that number just a little bit higher for for what they were expecting from him. so i'm gonna i'm gonna give him uh, i'll say i'll be nice i'll say c you know Danny. Okay, Danny, what about you? <laughs> I'm I'm going I'm going C minus. I'm sticking to my guns. I, I mean, this is the guy that I actually was was hoping they would sign. They wouldn't sign. I was excited when they signed him. You know, he's a designated pass rusher, a guy that, that can get you about eight and a half to nine to ten sacks a season. But so far, you know, in, in terms of he has been a, a, no production whatsoever, no impact whatsoever, only two sacks, four tackles for loss, four uh quarterback quarterback hits um you know his run defense is as bad as advertised i mean he's always on rpo plays he's always diving at at the inside allowing that that you know gap to be wide open on the outside you know if, if the running back has it or running or a quarterback keeps it they just run through there no no run defense integrity whatsoever doesn't set a hard edge um totally again his his job was to get after the quarterback and get pressure and he hasn't been doing that uh, only two seconds i know he missed one against baker mayfield couldn't wrap him up bring him down so two sacks c minus he's lucky he didn't get a d for me yeah, I'd actually have to agree with Danny there. I'm giving him a C minus and just handing out C minuses now. Mm-hmm. I mean, for the money that you paid him, $10 million, you know, his job is to get after the quarterback. And, you know, he's been good for what, eight sacks a season every year he's been in the league. And by John's yeah. math, because I didn't do the math, uh, <laughs> you know, he's going to fall short of that, which is just, I mean, the first time in his career, it's just Thank bad. you for trusting I mean, my math, by the I'm way. I'm trusting that's, your math because I'm just not doing it. Yeah. I'm just not doing it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's been disappointing their pass rush as a whole. I mean, it's unfair just to, expect him to come in and kind of do everything but you know they did bring him in for a reason that's gap the quarterback we'll see if that changes as the year goes on because defense is trending up but i don't have a whole lot of confidence in that so i'm gonna stick with the c minus 
It, it's one thing if he was drawing double teams and getting chips from running backs yeah. and tight ends. You know, even get, it's one on one. He can't sure. win one on one. So that's the thing. Only you know? in Chicago. Of course. <laughs> That's what we have to deal with. Okay, so we're going to wrap our grades up, uh, and we're going to go to TJ Edwards, one of the two big linebacker additions that the Bears added this offseason. So, Danny, what grade would you give TJ Edwards through the first six games? Really? I mean, Edwards is a solid linebacker, solid player, nothing spectacular. I, I just gave him a, like a C. It's, it's a meh for me, really, to be honest with you. I mean, he's a guy that's, you know, a good dude, local product. Um, you know, you know, is is heady linebacker, but you know, recently we saw him. You know, last week we saw him get a kid again or get a sack on on a blitz. So, you know, maybe if Eberflus start using him a little bit more aggressively, you see him come on blitzes. You can see him make more more of an impact. But really, he's just he's just, a, just a guy out there. Actually, you know, I, I noticed last week that they played a little bit more base, meaning that they used you know Jack Sanborn at the th- three linebackers, and I and Sanborn for me popped on tape more than more than Edwards, other than when he when he blitzed and got the sack. So. Again, just just a just a meh uh, uh, guy, average guy. So I, I gave him average grade to C. Hey, what about I, you, John? I'm going with a B because you know for for what they're there. I mean, he he didn't it, they didn't wrap up a huge contract with with the guy, uh, and so I, I'm trying to I, I was trying to on the fly look up his number or look up the contract number. I remember it not being anything it's like five mil. Yeah, it's not anything crazy, and he's he's tied for or he's tied for the lead in sacks on the team with like two, uh, but but uh, also is leading the team in total tackles. So if you look on return on investment, I'm giving him a B. I'm giving it. He's a real. He's solid. He's playing solid. His stats are solid, and he's available. Some of the best ability is availability. He hasn't been knocked out of the lineup yet. Uh, I think that yeah, that's a, that's a real solid showing, and I I think that's worthy of a B. Yeah, no, I, I'm going to say I'm going to give him a B minus. I mean, he's definitely been better than Tremaine Edmonds. I agree with Cliff Victoria, who was saying that. And leading the team in tackles, tied with Ngakwe, who's supposed to be your top edge rusher in sacks. I mean, he's been solid so far, you know, coming off a really good game uh, against the Vikings. So, again, we'll see. Grades could change. We're only a third of the way through the season. But I definitely think that Edwards has stood out more than Edmonds. Well, I give this game a B plus, potentially even an A, because we had some good banter back and forth. But now it's time to get to brass tacks. The big news coming out of Hallis Hall. Danny, Alyssa, yes. Phil Snow, the new defensive, uh, new senior defensive analyst. Alyssa, tell us what you have learned about Snow's career and why he's qualified for this position. Yeah, so Snow, he posts 40 years of experience between both the the NFL and college levels and most recently served as as the defensive coordinator for the Carolina Panthers uh, under Matt Rule from 2020 to 2022. So many Panthers connections between like here between the Bears and the Panthers. It's crazy. Uh, And the Panthers defense under Snow uh, last season, they ranked 22nd in yards allowed, 19th in points allowed. Uh, and he kind of going back to his college days, he also was the defensive coordinator for rule, uh, at Temple and Baylor, and he didn't join rule staff at Nebraska this year. So, which is obviously allowing this move to happen, but, you know, snow did work as an assistant under Rod Marinelli, uh, with the Lions. So as we know, Marinelli, that's Eber Flus's guy, that's his mentor. So it's definitely a move that makes sense here. And I think that, you know, snow is familiar with the schemes that Eberflus runs, you know, Eberflus even said that he values that, but also the different uh, experiences that he has as a coach bringing it here, you know, including the use of different pressure looks. And as far as Snow's role goes, he's just going to work at Hallis Hall throughout the week, focus on advanced scouting with future opponents. So I think, you know, Danny Shimon could give him a run for his money. Um, he will not be at games uh, functioning as any kind of coach, but he's just going to kind of do the behind the scenes work. 
Uh, Danny, you've been calling for some sort of, you know, consultant or I guess in this case, an analyst. Uh, what have you learned about Snow's coaching style and how he can potentially help the Bears defense get consistently better? And I'll add to that. What do you think the responsibilities that Eberflus outlined are sufficient for Snow to actually make an impact on the team? Well, I mean, Alyssa made a good point. Like his NFL experience is limited, right? It's it's the last three years with Carolina, which was in a real not that great. And then also the you know, the the big thing there, the big connection there is, is with Rod, Rod Marinelli with Detroit, where he was a, a linebackers coach and an offensive de defensive assistant. So, in terms of what he thinks, obviously he's another guy that, that believes in that four three concept. You know, the, the zone concept. You know, drop back, rush, get get with your four guys. And un, under Snow in Carolina, Brian Burns really developed into the pass rusher he is now. I mean, in the first three, first three years, he had back-to-back -back nine sack seasons. Last year, he had 12 and a half. So I think, uh, obviously, he's a guy that, that that generates that, wants to generate that pressure up front. You know, he's a guy that that values getting off, off the field on third and fourth downs. And he's a guy that he mentioned, when you, when you hear him talk, he's a guy that, that you know, doesn't really want to rattle the cages early on, on early downs. But if he has to, you know, will bring some disguises, some blitzes early on in, on first and second down to get them in a third and long situation to hopefully get the defense off the football field. So you may, you watch him talk. He's a very detail oriented person. Um, you know, in terms of how much impact he'll have on, on Matt Eberflus, he come on game days, obviously, as Alyssa just mentioned, he's not going to be there uh, uh, calling plays on, on game days. So what he's going to do is basically he's going to go ahead and just start watching the, the next week's opponent. So for example, he's probably already breaking down chargers tape for next week and he's going to go through and kind of say, all right, you know, in, in third and long situations, these are some of the personalities he likes. This is some of the looks they might like. You know, we can maybe counter offer, you know, counteract them with this or that. Uh, red zone situations, this is what they you know, look for this here in the red zone. These are the kind of things he'll give Matt Eberflus during the week. Then obviously, uh, Eberflus will then, I'm assuming Stone will have, or Snow will have some sort of input in terms of the, um, the overall game plan, but obviously the, the actual game uh, caller, the play caller on, on game day will be Eberflus. So I think that's where he'll kind of give – because of all the things that are on Matt Eberflus' plate right now, being the head coach, being a defensive corner, doing some advanced scouting for, for a previous upcoming opponent, you know, I think this is where he will help kind of take some of that pressure off Eberflus and hopefully give him another, another voice to kind of, you know, help him deliver a game plan that will be effective on Sundays. Correct. Yeah. And so we'll, we'll see if this has any impact. We'll see if the, you know, the, the play of the defense goes up and if it does, people will be talking about how snow is impacting the defense. And so we'll see how that ride happens. And just when you thought the grade game was over, it's not over. I'm taking it over. We got a question in the chat room from last. He says, I know it's still relatively early, but what grade are you giving polls? I'd say C minus, but trending to an F, but give him a trophy. Uh, Danny, you are, you are the biggest Ryan polls supporter and i'm using that term not seriously at all uh so what is your grade for uh ryan pole so far in his uh, young tenure as the bears gm last stick to your stick to your guns there give him that f man don't give him no don't give him no uh, no trophy uh yeah it, I, i'm i'm not a a, a ryan poles fan i and some might say it's too early to judge and, and that might be the case but so far i haven't seen anything that he's done that's been a, a positive impact on this on this organization, right? In terms of the coaching hire, in terms of the trades, free agent moves, you know, maybe you might say DJ Moore was was the uh, you know was the, the the best trade he made, but then he gave up the first overall pick in order to get him as part of a package. So you know that could end up being the something that that helps set up the Bears in the future. But in terms of immediate impact guys, you know, the culture. You kept talking about the culture they're building and, and him and Eberflus, and it's it's been nothing but a losing culture. You know, like he comes in and he says, "Oh, we're we're gonna take the North, never give it back." 
dude, I don't think you're going to even get near the top of the North. So I'm not sure what do you mean going to take it and never give it back. So and he's a guy that, that I'm, I'm totally fed up with. Um, you know, if, if he's like, if they clean house, he'd be one of the first guys I, I let go. Maybe he meant Northern Illinois. <laughs> it's like we, we don't we don't know <laughs> uh Alyssa, what grade do you give him polls um i'm gonna give him a c minus right now just because i mean i respect him for coming in and just tearing the whole thing down uh which is like the opposite of what ryan pace did so i mean it's gonna take a little bit and i understand that he does have a lot of big just red flags against him uh including like the chase claypool trade and obviously the hiring of matt eberflus um, but I also think he's made some good moves. His draft classes, there are some, you know, developmental guys in there. There's some solid rookies that, you know, cornerstone pieces I think will be a- around on this team. You know, and of course, the DJ Moore trade, I think, was his biggest so far. It- it's definitely an evolving grade. I mean, I'm not going to give him an F. I'm not that extreme. But I'm definitely more kind of like the C- minus range. We'll see. He's around average, maybe a little bit below. But, I mean, there's he's still got some time. Yeah, I'm gonna go with that C C minus range as well, just because it's we still we gotta see how these draft picks develop. And if they turn into something, then then that that's obviously gonna bring his grade up. But they're you know the the culture, Danny, you're right. What <laughs> culture have they developed? I mean, they they haven't they haven't won in that you can't you can't set a big culture in Chicago if you haven't won a game in Chicago in over a year. Like that that's that's difficult to do. Uh and so it's it. it they they've botched a lot of things that you know listen mentioned the claypool trade uh and not really addressing you know the, some of the best teams start from the inside out and they just haven't been able to really take care of that yet so we'll see we'll see i mean it's it's easy to tear a team down it's easy to sell off everything it's easy to you know acquire all that but it's like i'm trading everything and we're stripping it down i think a lot of people can do that so it's still a building process, but man, did it, it did not take the step that we needed it to take this year. We, we, we all the fans wanted to see that next step. We wanted to see that next building block in the rebuild process. They tore it down. Uh, they just haven't built anything yet. So when you, when you tear it down, when you tear it down, but you don't attack the offense and defensive lines, that 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 loses my 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 you know my respect right there because you got to go with the trenches to build that team back up again. And guys, we're coming into a pivotal offseason for this organization right you know we've got the two top top five top 10 picks potentially you know i think 90 million in cap space do you have faith that this is the guy you want running this ship going into this offseason you know i i i don't have faith in him so i that's i think if you're going to start from scratch build it all you know bring in someone else you have if you have some building blocks again the draft class it's too early to tell you know none of the guys that have gone and taken a next step up in my opinion that could be blamed on the coaching staff in terms of you know not really you know uh producing those those guys and, and elevating their, their their level of play but Jaquan brisker for example i mean a talented kid but he's just not a, a difference maker out there right now you know gordon was supposed to take the next step i know he's been hurt so we'll see how that goes but you know uh, dominique robinson a fifth round pick guy keeps playing but doesn't make no impact whatsoever you know, stuff like that, you know, that that's I just there's nothing here that that he has done. And again, I'm not even holding his draft class. Again, two, three years is where you need to, to actually give a nice, good quality grade to a draft class. But just in terms of free agency, coaching hires, you know, stuff he's done, done to this organization to make it better. I just don't see it with Ryan Poles. And, and then that leaves the question of does the do the people above polls if they decide that they're going to move off justin fields and bring in a new head coach do they trust polls in drafting that new quarterback now if they have the number one pick it shouldn't be i mean it's a pretty obvious who they would probably take with that number one pick but if they're going to take a quarterback that's not caleb williams uh are you trusting him to make that decision 
And are you trusting him to hire somebody that can develop that quarterback, no matter who it is? Uh, so there's a, there's a lot of questions that need uh, that need answered here at the end of the season. And unfortunately, we keep talking about the end of the season. We were talking about the end of the season in September. Like it's that, week that, seven. Yeah, that, that sucks that we have to keep, we're still talking about this and like we've been talking about it for, you know, two, three, four weeks. And, you know, we, we barely got out of the, the summer month before we were talking about uh, what the Bears are going to do in the draft and who their new head coach is going to be. But uh, Alyssa, let's 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 get back to the conversation at hand. Let's talk about the team as it is. The defense did play well against the Vikings. Uh, were there a couple of things that stood out specifically to you, like a scheme or a player or anything like that? I mean, I think the linebackers as a whole had a strong outing, definitely their best of the season. You know, TJ Edwards and Jack Sanborn tied for a team high eight tackles. Obviously we had Edwards had his best game of the season uh, with those tackles, had a sack. And then he should have had that, that crucial fumble recovery that, that, was clearly recovered don't know what happened there at the refs um and even Edmonds you know he, he he's had a, a rough uh season so far but he had his best game of the year too uh with six tackles a pass breakup and an interception that was actually ruled a fumble recovery so definitely give it up for the linebackers in this game and I think uh, Justin Jones too you know he had his best game of the year uh seven tackles two for a loss had a couple of quarterback hits there and actually something that's been surprisingly good this year just been the run defense it's been one of the better units in the NFL, they're allowing 89 and a half rushing yards per game. That's eighth. We, and especially after, you know, they had like, I was I think they were ranked 31st against the run last season. The fact that they are now in the top 10, I mean, that's, that's pretty impressive. Granted, you know, teams don't need to run the ball as much on them when they can just kind of exploit that, that struggling passing defense, but still it's progress. And that's really hard to find. Progress in one way and dysfunction the other way. Once again, never can get on the same page on on two different. Even within the defense, they can't get on the same page. But you know what? Let, let's finish with expectations for this coming Sunday against the Raiders. Danny, uh, Vegas comes into town on a two game win streak, a, a second string quarterback, and a too much to handle Max Crosby. Uh, what do you see in this matchup? Can, can the Bears get out of Soldier Field with a win? Well, John, I mean, if you lose a game at home to a Josh McDaniels coach team led by a Brian Hoyer at quarterback, I mean, that's I, that's that's pretty sad. I mean, oh. I, I I mean, I, stop me if heard this before, guys. This is a winnable game. So I, to me, it's it's just do they put up you know in terms of enough points on offense? You know, how does Tyson Bajan look? You know, is, you know, again, he's a guy that intrigues me. I mean, I'm I'm interested in watching him play this week because again. The stage is not too big for this kid. You know, he's you watch him today, handle the media, very calm, cool, looks like a veteran out there. And, uh, you know, he's got good pocket presence, decent size, you know, quick release. So I think this is a guy that can make some plays if given time. So obviously, I think, like I said earlier, you know, max protect and, and just keep Crosby off of him. I think, you know, give the offense some chance to put up some points. And if you can, if you can, and if the defense, you know, does what they did last week, hold them to, you know, 19 or less, I think they can go and pull a, a, a win off. But am I going to bet on it? Actually, you know what? John's going to be there. So I might actually bet on the Bears this time. <laughs> Lucky foot. Rookie rabbit's foot. You know, yeah, because I happened to be in the stadium the one time they won this year. I'm all of a sudden the, the, the good luck charm. So I will be there. Danny, to your point of, of, you know, Josh McDaniels and a backup quarterback and they're at home. 
<laughs> Bears are three point underdogs. Exactly. <laughs> like they, the, uh, according to yeah. Vegas, like the the sharps in Vegas, not the team. Uh, they they uh, they are three point underdogs going into this. Yes, one, if so. this not rock bottom, I mean, how much further farther down can we go? I don't know, Danny. They were underdogs at where they were. They were they the Denver game was at home, right? Or was it as right? At, it was it was here. Yeah. But they were only two and a half uh, point underdogs to a Sean Payton coach team, but led by Russell Wilson. Who so gave up downgrade, points? They- you have a downgrade <laughs> to uh, downgrade to uh, head, head coach and a downgrade in quarterback, and you're on a three point underdog. Well, you, you know what rock bottom will be? Rock bottom will be if they are underdogs at home to the Panthers. That can't you know, I caught you earlier talking about you know, Carolina could be their next win. You know, Carolina is saying, Oh, we're gonna get our first one against the Bears, right? Right. Oh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I meant I had that thought while and I forgot to say it whenever that conversation was going on. I'm like, yeah, we're we're looking at these winnable games. All of those teams are saying the exact same thing yep. about Chicago. <laughs> they're like, that's a winnable game. We can we can beat the yep. we can beat the Bears. Like all of that, it's not like they're like, Oh man, Chicago, there's a loss. There ain't no team nope. saying that. It's been a while. That the where where everyone's get right game. They're, everyone everyone can get right against the Bears. Uh Alyssa, what are your expectations? if you have any, uh, <laughs> against the Raiders this week. Well, I do know that you're going to be at the game. So is it wrong that I'm assuming that there's a win? I mean, you broke you, the 14-game losing streak. You're going to break home. You're gonna break the year-plus home losing streak. They, they lost 10 in a row at home. So you're going to break, yeah. break that one, too. So I don't know. Maybe good things will happen. Uh, I'm hoping. I mean, I'm excited to see Tyson Bajan out there. Just, I mean, it's a better situation than if the Bears had like PJ Walker, right? And he was going in there in relief of, of fields. At least you have a rookie, someone who's developing that you want to see what you have in him. So, I mean, that'll be something new for us to watch and to discuss. And I don't know, John. Lucky Brownfoot. Yeah. So yeah. I'm I'm holding up for a win. So I'm gonna come screaming to you if they don't. Actually, I, I I will I will be happy to take that. Uh, I, and you make a really good point because I, I I think I heard this on a on a Bears show and I can't remember which one, but it's like it's the first time where like a Bears backup quarterback is like okay, there's something to watch there. There's something to that. There's some kind of unknown weird hope to that to see what you have in in Tyson Bajan as opposed to what uh, you know Nathan Peterman. Nate Peterman or Jimmy Clausen or uh, Caleb Haney or like some of I me. Mean, the, the list is too long, John. We'll be here all Stop night. Stop. Uh, I mean, I'm not even naming like starters. Moreno. I'm the, 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 the backups. Oh. So. P.T. Willis. Summer P.T. Willis. He was the next hope. P.T. Cruiser. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, listen, there – there's a long list of Bears starting quarterbacks, so I'm not even going to start the list of the Bears backup quarterbacks. But my point was, this is the first time in a while where a backup comes in. You're like, oh, I wonder what this guy's got. Uh, I mean, you kind of had that tiny bit whenever Nick Foles was there, but you already knew what Nick Foles was. You just wanted to get him in rather than Trubisky, at least a lot of the fans did. Uh, and, and so it's the first time where it's like, okay. Let's see what the kid has because he's the backup. He's not a guy that's been in the league for, you know, 10 years. And we kind of already know that what he's a given commodity He's a proven commodity. We know what we're getting. We don't know what we're getting. So that adds uh, that adds a level of intrigue and possibly some entertainment purpose. So <laughs> we'll see. So yeah. uh, the, the Tyson Bajan. I, I do like I do like his moxie. I do like I do like I how do he puts himself on the football. Yeah. You know, I think he's got a chance to, to, to do well. And uh, and, you know, that would be great if they could take a kid from division two and develop them, you know, even if he developed into full-time backup or even potentially as a starter in the future, that, that's a hell of a, a hell of a find. So, you know, I just knocked Ryan Poles. I just fired him. I just gave him props for finding Tyson Bajan possibly, possibly. 
possibly. Well, that's Luke Getzey's guy too. Remember, he was yeah, he worked at the Senior that's, Bowl. He so. coached him at the Senior Bowl, and, yep. and, and obviously, uh, yeah, he liked about him. You know, he liked them in terms of you know he didn't really pop at the Senior Bowl. At least when I watched the practices, he must have impressed them in the in the classroom. You know, off off the field, and you know, and I, obviously his his terminology with with Shep, or his offense with Shepard was very similar as he said today to what the Bears are running. So obviously, Getzey had that offense down there at the Senior Bowl. So I think that what really attracted Getzey to him. And like I said, he plays with this calmness, this moxie, and this this like. He's got like, if you want to say aura about him that in terms of like, he, you know, he's, he's confident out there. You know, even the veterans were saying like Dylan Johnson was saying like, you could tell he, he, he doesn't carry himself like a division two quarterback that that's an awe in terms of what's around him right now. So we'll see. So you're saying Tyson Bajan is going to save Luke Getzey's job. He's got a chance. Oh, please. A no. Chance, yeah. <laughs> that's the combination of Bajan. Abort, abort Nathan phone. Peterman. <laughs> no, Bajan and the phone, the, the killer bees uh, are going to yeah. save that's gonna do it yeah Yeah. (laughs) oh oh, that's the most positive note we could possibly go out on so let's let's wrap this puppy up uh Alyssa uh you got I'm guessing a lot of content coming out before this game and of course after the game but uh what what are we working on this week what can we expect out of Bears Wire and the Wire in general yeah, you, you can check out Bears. We, we're previewing the game uh, leading up to Sunday. I have, my, I have my hot seat watch up there, which, as you can expect, it kind of accelerated this week. Uh, do We have betting preview, a breakdown analysis, all that. We're going to keep you covered during and after the game as well. Danny, we put off the mock draft conversation for a week, and we're uh, we got to get back into it now. So, what what kind of tape are you watching? What are you working on? <laughs> yeah, just just working the you know the college seniors right now because obviously you don't know which junior is going to be declaring. Uh, but you, know, you have a good idea in terms of what you hear right now in terms of guys that that are possibly coming out. But uh, yeah, just working the, the senior tape. Obviously, still looking at the uh, O line, D line, uh, receiver. You know, some quarterbacks here and there. But uh, you know, should be putting some some stuff out on our. Uh, on our YouTube channel here soon, some, some scouting previews and terms of guys in terms of to keep an eye on uh, as the season progresses here in college football. And then obviously after the game, myself and uh, coach T and, and, and Aldo will be doing the, uh, the post game show on, on bear football, talking about this big Raiders victory, or I'm sorry, the, the big victory over the Raiders led by oh, Tyson oh, Bajan and Freudian slip. Wait, which and one? <laughs> the killer bees. Yeah, that's a that Freudian Wait, which one? Raiders yeah. victory or victory over no, no, the Raiders? No, no, no. Victory over the Raiders by the Bears. <laughs> there you go. Like Danny said, make sure you turn into Bear football directly after the game. Although Danny and Coach T will be holding it down. I will be at the game, so I will not be on that show. But make sure you tune in. The three of them are going to share their immediate responses. Kerry, uh, Matt Eberflus, and uh, possibly Tyson Bajan's uh, press conferences and break down all of the key plays of the game. I will be at Soldier Field. I'm not going to let this team wreck my time in Chicago. I'm going to have a good time no matter what. Although if you see uh, somebody, if you see a procession of people carrying a 6'2", 230-pound man out of Soldier Field, it might be me because this team might actually kill me at some point. Just don't but- run on the field. Do not run onto the field. You see that happen to a Phillies fan? Oh, yeah. It, trust me. I'm, I ain't running nowhere. <laughs> that ain't happening. I'm going to be sitting right down enjoying the game uh, and then hopefully celebrating a win afterwards. I, I, I mean, I haven't uh, I want to see a, I want to see a win at Soldier Field. And if I'm there, all the better. We haven't got to see a, a win at Soldier Field. And how long was that, Alyssa? Um, September 25th, 2022. 
boy, week it's, three it's, of last year, guys. Ten week straight games. Of last it's year. just great to be able to pull those stats real quick. To have somebody that can just give you the most depressing stats right at right as, as, as soon as you need them. It's like, listen, what's a stat that's going to make me really upset? Oh, okay, I got one for you. I got three for you. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that'll do it for us tonight. For Alyssa Barbieri and Dar- Danny Shimon, I'm John Buffone. We'll see you next week right here on Buffone 55. Try to enjoy the game, everybody. We'll see you next week. Thank <laughs> you.